0: Over the last handful of weeks, we have been looking at worship, and we've been looking at it from a lot of different angles and perspective and ideas. We have been wanting to get a biblical view of worship so that we would understand that this is how we should approach God. That we don't approach God how we think it should be done, but we approach God the way that He thinks it should be done. A couple of key points that we've looked at as we as we did this, and we we did this long before Christmas and Thanksgiving. We were into it in November. Worship is about God, it is not about me. Worship is the Christian's highest and greatest occupation. Worship is something that can be and should be done way beyond just Sundays. Worship is what God wants us to do. He seeks those who worship. He seeks those who worship Him. Worship is a matter of the heart. Worship has much to do with what God says in his word. The truth found in the Bible directs us in our worship. Obviously, we covered a lot of different things, but those are some of the more outstanding points that we looked at over those weeks. All that being said, we can be sure that attacks will come when we settle in and determine that we're going to worship and we're going to Worship biblically and properly. We're going to be involved in this thing called worship. Boy, you got to know that there's going to be some opposition for worship. By and large, worship's going to come from one of three sources and maybe all three of them all at once. Satan, who is our constant enemy, is certainly going to attack us concerning this. The world, who is our external enemy, is going to want us to stop worshiping. And the flesh, which is our internal enemy, enemy is going to want to stop us from worshiping on a regular basis satan and the world and the flesh and we need to make sure that we are standing against those three constantly when we are doing our best to worship those forces will do their absolute best to hinder to stop to destroy to discourage you from worshiping any and every chance they get constantly want to stop you from worshiping. Because if you're worshiping and you're worshiping biblically, you're putting aside everything and you are just focusing in on God. God is the sole focus of what is going on with you right now. And the enemy does not like that at all. And will do everything in his power to stop you from doing that. So this morning then we're going to take another approach to worship and we're going to talk about the hindrances to worship. Now obviously we can't we can't talk about all the hindrances to worship. We're going to find a few here and there. We're going to look at a handful, and, and hopefully they will encompass generally all the things that will be distracting us and causing difficulties. But there are far more hindrances to worship beyond this list that I have put together, um, uh, and, and you're going to have to be aware of those things. You're going to have to be ready to battle those things on a regular basis. Have you ever come to worship and you've gone through worship and you've participated in worship? You've basically done the motions of worship and at the end of the time you thought, I wonder who stole my worship. I wonder where it was today because, man, I was here, but worship didn't seem to be something that was going on in my life today. As we go through these things today, I would ask that you would ask God to open up your eyes. God, show me. Are these some things that I need to deal with? Are, are some of these in hindrances things that I am allowing to to be a part of my life to stop my worship? Is worship being hindered? Is worship being delayed? Is hinder is worship being interfered with because of some of these things? Lord, reveal to me what I need to do. Show me so that I can be the kind of worshipper that you want me to be. Now, if you're willing to enter into these this next little bit with that kind of an attitude, well that can hurt, and it can be hard. Because when we ask God to show us things like that, He generally does. He is willing to say, yeah, I'll, I'll show you. I'll help you out. If you want to know some of the things that are stopping you from being close to me, yep, I'll show those things to you. So you might be ready for that today, and we might need to really deal with some things in our life beyond this hour so that worship can be what it needs to be. We're going to look at 9 different things this morning that are hindrances to our worship the first one hindrance number one or thief number one if you will that steals our worship is self-will self-will it has always been an amazing thing to me that during worship during times of singing tremendously wonderful songs like we just finished with times of prayer times of bible reading preaching whatever's going on it has always amazed me that during holy times of worship our mind can be way over there i mean it can just absolutely run away with us and we can be thinking about things that are about yesterday or tomorrow or sometimes in all honesty things that have no business being involved in worship at all our minds can really be very tricky we must deal with that well that's in the category of self-will self-will the will tries to get us to go somewhere else. I want to go over here. I want to think about this. I want to ponder that. I want to be there. I want to be pondering and thinking about how to deal with this problem or this situation or those, that issue. And oftentimes, we don't even begin to really worship because our will has us going places where we don't want to go and we don't need to be there. I don't want to do this. I want to be over there instead, and we go along with our will. Open your Bibles with me, we'll be in different passages this morning obviously. Leviticus chapter 10, we're going to look at a couple of verses for every one of these hindrances to worship this morning and and this first one with self-will is Leviticus chapter 10. It says this in Leviticus chapter 10 beginning in verse 1, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective firepans, and after putting fire in them, they placed incense in it and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron, therefore, kept silent. So the situation is simply this. Lack of self-control. What exactly went on? You know, that's been debated forever. We really don't know, and here's the thing. It's not important for our conversation at all. It doesn't matter what the strange fire was in this particular situation for us today. You know what matters is simply this verse and these words. They took that fire. After putting fire in their fire plans in verse 1, they placed incense on it, and they offered strange fire before the Lord, and here it is, which he had not commanded them. Self-will. I think it would be better to do it this way. I want to do it like this. It was their will that got them in trouble here. Because they would not do what it is that the Lord had commanded them to do. The issue of what it was exactly doesn't matter one iota. The issue is the Lord commanded them to do this, and they did that. And why was that? Self-will. Let's do it our way. God won't mind. Yeah, he does. He did not like it. God wants it done his way because we are worshiping him. And we need to make sure that we are worshiping him in the way that he has told us to worship him. And we spent time looking at some things in the Bible that talked about that our, our worship needs to, be, uh, needs to be done in a biblical way. If we're not doing it in a biblical way, we're truly not worshiping the God of the Bible. We're doing it our way. And we can't do that. So self-will, placing your confidence in yourself rather than God, self-will will hinder worship on a regular basis is I'm going to do it my way and we go into worship with that attitude hindrance number two hindrance number two is worldliness by this, by this term I mean those things in the world which God is left out of it could be pleasures, it could be people, it could be places it could be pursuits the Bible teaches us that although we live in a physical world what we're about is spiritual that we are spiritual beings living in a physical world and 2nd Timothy 4 10 tells us that one of Paul's fellow workers lost the battle because it says this Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world one of the things that will keep us from worshiping as we ought is loving this present world more than we are loving to worship God and the God we worship turn with me to 1st John chapter 2 1 John chapter 2. There is a, as we have seen, there is a commitment, there is a dedication, and there is a sacrifice that goes with worshiping. Well, you know what keeps us from being committed and dedicated and sacrificing? times, those things that draw us away, those things of the world that we love more than we love the things of God. And so we need to be very careful about the worldly influence in our life that will keep us from worshiping it says this in first john chapter 2 verse 15 and 16 do not love the world nor the things of the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the father but is from the world when we come to worship these things need to not be a part of it The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. When we come to worship, it's about God. It is not about us. And let me just say, as we're talking about hindrances to worship, start there and your worship will change overnight. It's about God, not about us. It's about God and not about us. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. It says this in James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Here's the deal, and I believe that this is the case. You know in your life and in your heart what it is that the Bible is talking about and what God is calling you to do right now in those areas. You know you, and you know what it is that you need to deal with when it comes to lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the, prideful boast of, and the boastful pride of life. And you know what it is that God wants you to do when it comes to keeping unspotted from the world. You know what those things are. They, generally speaking, are not secrets in our world. They're not complicated in our world. We know what they are. Well, I'm here to tell you that those are the kinds of things that keep us from worshiping as we ought, and we need to deal with those things. We do live in this world, and we do have all of this opportunity before us, but the Bible calls us very clearly to make sure that our priorities are in the right order. This can cause a problem with worship. The third thing, then, The third thing, hindrance number three, thief number three, is a critical spirit, a critical spirit. Now obviously when we talk about worship, we think about coming to a place like this often. We've talked about the fact that it's bigger than that, and so you need to understand that as we talk about this, and you need to make sure that this applies in your life, how you are approaching worship. But something that'll stop us from worshiping is a critical spirit. How often does the average Christian come to a worship service looking to find fault. And why do we do that? Generally, we're fault finders. Generally speaking, we find fault. I dare say that we come quite often. To attend a service with the fostering of a fault-finding attitude of mind, thinking in terms of I'm looking for fault is absolutely a... A fatal flaw to the worshiper you will not find yourself worshiping well if you are looking to find fault as you come into a place like this or as you go into your private worship you will not find worship why because fault-finding absolutely occupies that person's mind absolutely occupies that person's mind We're occupied with fellow believers instead of God. We're occupied with the nuances of the building instead of God. We're occupied with the ins and outs of this or that instead of God. And you know what's amazing about fault finding is that generally speaking, it starts in the smallest, tiniest of ways, but left unchecked, it develops into a monster that sours our entire life. Looking for the wrong rather than the right on a regular basis. Fault finding. You fill in the blank here because you know that there are things that are going on. There are issues that happen all the time. The parking lot's too snowy. The parking lot's too muddy. The parking place isn't in the right place. There's, there's water dripping off the roof. I'm getting wet. The, the door isn't unlocked or the temperature's not right or the pencils aren't in the pew or the screen came down at the wrong time or the words weren't there or they dis... Whatever. You name it, and away it goes, doesn't it? And before you know it, our only thought are those things. Or, we come and and we're, we're about finding fault with others before we get here. And when we get here then, that's our mindset. Because it started before we got here. Okay? We will talk about this next week, but... One of the difficulties of worship, obviously, is some of the things that happen before we get into this building. You know, I'm sure that every one of you had to follow the worst driver in the world today to get here, didn't you? The worst driver. I don't know what that person was thinking. They were going the wrong speed limit. They were turning wrong. They weren't using their... I mean all sorts of issues, right? Fault finding, fault finding, fault finding. We get to the parking lot, and all of a sudden we're supposed to be transformed when we walk through the doors? And it creates a problem with our worship. We need to understand that this is a problem. A runaway critical spirit will absolutely destroy us and stop us from worshiping. I wrote this down from somebody, and they said this. A runaway critical spirit will dry up the milk of human kindness. It'll blind any kind of vision. It'll warp the spiritual understanding and render the Christian useless to God and his fellow believer. It's not a good thing and we need to deal with it. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 for this one. Galatians chapter 5. Critical spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. It says this, But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You start attacking one another, you start being critical of one another within the body of Christ, what happens next? We consume one another. It's a terrible horrible, rotten thing. One of the difficulties that we we face on a regular basis is that we worship with people. And people can be, well, irritating. We all know that. We're all people. So we need to approach this from the right perspective and not allow that critical uh, approach to get us to the point where that's what's consuming our worship. We need to be very careful about that. I mean, and, and, and it's the smallest thing. It is the smallest thing that can happen. And, and so, so you look up at me and, and you say, I wish he wouldn't wear a yellow shirt. I, the guy looks pathetic. Who dresses him? The guy looks pathetic in yellow shirts on a regular basis. What, what is the deal with that? Okay, so you go down that road, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're starting to nitpick on all sorts of things then. That's what we do. That's who we are, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, don't turn there, but it says, love thinks no evil, bears all things, endures all things, and a critical spirit is as far away from that as you can possibly get. A critical spirit, whether it's critical about the things that are in this building, about what goes on in this building, the people in this building, if it's a critical spirit about what goes on at home before you get to this place, if it's a critical spirit about getting to this place, if it's a critical spirit about things that happened last week at work, I don't care what it is, that critical spirit, whether it's worshiping here or on your own during the week, that critical spirit will absolutely stop your worship. We need to confess that to the Lord. And you need to ask Him to take that away from you. Lord, give me different vision. Lord, that I would see things differently. That I wouldn't be critical in my life. Hindrance or thief number four laziness. Laziness. We have, we have ta- spoken earlier about the fact that worship requires sacrifice. Worship requires us doing something. It costs us something to worship. The Bible is very clear. Worship is not something that that easily flows on a regular basis. We we need to work at it. We need to rearrange things. We need to make things happen. And hence this problem of laziness. I'd rather not. I've had a hard, long day. I don't want to. I just want to do what I want to do. I've been looking forward to just sitting here and watching the football game or watching a movie or reading this novel or doing whatever it is or that I want to do for a long time. That's what I'm going to do. I know I ought to spend a the time with God, but I just don't want to. It boils down oftentimes to laziness. It's being lazy. And, and, and think especially during a worship service like this and when you're on your own with worshiping. Laziness is such a difficult thing. We have to fight it constantly. The fire of worship needs to be continually fed. Why are we here? And and in all honesty, I hope you come back next week, but that's a really good question to ask. Why are we here? we need to come to grips with that answer. And if the answer is here, I'm here to honor my God, and I'm here to worship him. I'm here to know him better and learn more about him and to fellowship with his people, those kinds of things. You know what? That takes work. We got to we have to go out of our way to do that. We need to concentrate. We need to put aside the hindrances and and, 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 and all of those different things that are going on, we need to deal with what needs to be dealt with during this time. We need to prepare for it properly, and we need to embrace it properly. You cannot be lazy and embrace biblical worship. It's hard work. And you've got to be committed to it. You've got to rearrange things, and you have to do that. But I'll tell you what, it is spiritually so rewarding when we worship worship when we, when we stop with the critical spirit and just worship. Let me, let me just deal with, uh, let me deal with a song. So we sing songs. And we sing good songs in this church. Good songs. Biblical songs. Paige does a great job of directing our hearts toward worship with biblical songs. But I get irritated at something that goes on during the song. I don't care what it is. You fill in the blank. And all of a sudden, I'm unable to worship. And that song no longer is being used as that tool by God to direct me toward him. That's laziness. Bring your mind back. Come back. Lord, I'm not going to go down that road. I want to sing those songs. I want to read those words. I want to sing this unto you because these are about getting me to you. I want to make sure that I'm doing that. Now this next thing that we want to talk about is pretty important and it's pretty significant. Part of laziness. The fuel needed to make sure that worship is the way that it needs to be in our life. We need to make sure that we are living a life of obedience to the Lord. A life of reading the word of God. A life of praying. I will never worship if I'm not in the Word, as we've seen in this in this series. I just won't. And and for me to read the Bible, let me rephrase that: for me not to read the Bible and leave it sit there, that's laziness. It's I'm not I'm not doing what I ought to be doing. Don't be lazy. Let's not be those kinds of believers if this fuel, the Word of God, the presence of God in my life through my prayer and my meditation and my reading the Word of God, if that fuel is not there, then worship will die out. And it'll be a struggle for me. I have said this over and over again We've said it during this series, if you ignore God throughout the week and then you, you come here on, on Sunday morning and you think that it's going to be the greatest time in the world, you're going to be mistaken many times because you haven't been worshiping throughout the week and getting ready for this event, this moment. There are way too many Christians that honestly think that there is something magical that happens when we walk through the doors of a church on a Sunday morning. All of a sudden, we're going to be where we need to be spiritually. Not if you don't get yourself there through some spiritual hard work. You're not going to be. Talking to God. Meditating with Him. Listening to what He has to say. Study and prayer and a life of devotion. That's what we need if we're going to worship. Everything is insisting on our time. Everything is wanting our attention. We need to make sure that the Word of God is getting what it needs from us. Romans chapter 13 is a a verse I'd like us to look at concerning this. Spiritual laziness is a thief that will steal our worship from us. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12 says, do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Well, oh, i tell you what, that's calling us to a, a life of activity and spiritual living for him, not laziness. Not laziness. I came upon this little saying years ago. It's in the front of one of my Bibles. It says, it is impossible for a believer, no matter his experience, to keep right with God. If he will not take the time and the trouble to spend time with God, let other things go, but don't neglect him. Don't be lazy. Hindrance or thief number five. Impatience or hurrying. This one's a little, little harder for us, but it needs to be something that we think about. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 377 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Stop and let God minister to you. Just because Satan has the world going 90 miles an hour doesn't mean you have to go 90 miles an hour. We live in an awfully fast-paced world. And if we are going to worship properly, one of the things that needs to happen in our life is that we need to, we need to stop hurrying so much with God. We need to give up our impatience. And the reason I use the word impatience is because we live in the world that is all about going on to the next thing. Let me go to the next thing. Well, I want to challenge you with worship that you stay in this thing for a while. Be still and know that I am God. Be silent. To experience worship at its finest, we must be patient and we must be quiet. We must allow God to do some work in our life. Psalm 62 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. Be very careful that you do not transfer the ways of the world and your time with God And worship uh, the ways of the world to your time with God and worship it is not a speed thing it is not way too many of us with our devotions with reading uh, the point is to finish as soon as we start the point is to finish so we go on to the next thing when you're with God the point is to be with God And when your time with God is done, go on to the next thing. The point is not to finish so we can go on to the next thing. The point is to be with God. It's a really good thing. We need to learn silence. We need to learn quietness. We need to learn to slow down and be with God. And we live in a world that fights that more now than it ever has, and it's only going to get worse. We've talked about this before we need to stop letting electronics rule our lives. You have that power and that ability. You can do it. Hurrying is a hindrance to worship. Number six, formalism. Hindrance number six is formalism. What I mean by that is that we we, we substitute the the scriptural, the simplicity of scripture and the liberty of the Holy Spirit for meticulous and exact observance of certain things at certain times forms and rules and regulations rather than an inward spiritual reality we don't struggle with that much in this church but it can happen sometimes this formalism has many forms this this idea uh it's the idea of maybe attendance taking the place of worship it's the idea of of if things change i can't worship properly if somebody's in my seat i i can't do what i need to do right because i can't sit in my spot my parking lot my parking place isn't isn't there whatever it may be in worship whether it's in a group like this or whether it's us alone we must allow god to work we must allow god to move now i I, i'm I, i believe that we should do things in in order and proper but You will notice there are times when we do things that are different here and there. We've done the Lord's Supper differently the last couple times we've done it because I feel like this is what God would have us to do. We've ended the service differently a time or two. This is what God would have us to do, and we need to go with the flow when those kinds of things go so that worship can be a rich and wonderful experience. Don't allow the form to be the only way you can worship. Step outside it every once in a while. It's a good thing. Hindrance number seven. This is a pretty big deal. This kind of goes along with the critical spirit. This is an unforgiving spirit. And the reason why this is so important is because our attention is drawn toward the one that we're irked at, an unforgiving spirit. And this obviously goes along with the critical spirit that we have a tendency to, to be irked at people or irked at things, and so we just can't get past that. If we can't get past things, we'll never be able to worship. Never, 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 never. The issue is who we're mad at or the thing that we're mad at. If it's people sometimes and we have an unforgiving spirit and we have an issue with somebody else, it can be, why, is she, why are they here? What, is that, what are they doing here? Or it can be, I certainly hope they're listening right now because <laughs> they need that. I, this, is, this is a good thing, all right? We need to be very careful about that in our lives. And the reason why we bring this up is because relationships are tricky, and relationships are hard, and relationships are consuming. And there are times when we allow relationships to get out of control, and they create in us an unforgiving spirit that doesn't allow us to worship properly. Let's turn to a couple passages on this one. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. It says in verses 23 and 24, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, and go first be reconciled to your brother, then come and present your offering. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Here's the thing that we need to understand as we think about an unforgiving spirit robbing us from our worship. The beautiful thing about that is that God gives a us solu- a solution for that, and that is to seek forgiveness, to ask forgiveness and to grant forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter 4, we read this beginning in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Never allow that small misunderstanding grow into something bigger. It is it is difficult when we are in a group this size to not have issues once in a while with people. It just, it's the way it works. But we don't have to let those issues grow and become the poisonous cancer that they do sometimes in our life. We need to swallow our pride and buck it up and. Ask forgiveness and grant forgiveness that we might go on. You don't need to be best friends with everybody in the world. You don't need to be best friends with all Christians. You don't need to be best friends with even Christians who you worship with. But we can't be at at angst with those people either. And we need to work on that in our lives. Is it easy? Nope. It's incredibly hard sometimes. But we need to make sure that we do that. Because otherwise our worship just, just won't take place. It just won't take place if we don't deal with relationships properly. Hindrance number eight, thief number eight is pride. Of this we can be certain. We all got it and we struggle with it and it rears its ugly head and it just will absolutely destroy us. Pride and worship are mutually exclusive. Just won't happen. You're prideful, you're arrogant, you're gonna be against God. The Bible teaches that very, very clearly. It's sin. All that you have and all that you are is because God has done what he has done for you. True worship will not allow you to hang on to your pride. Let's go to James chapter 4. Simple verse. Very clear. James 4, 6, but he gives a greater grace, therefore it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There you go. I come to God with a pride issue, God's opposing me. I need to come to God with humility, understanding who he is, what he's done for me, who I am. I need to come to him biblically. So pride is a pretty dangerous thing and we need to watch out and it is something that we fight constantly. Hindrance Number nine, then, is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. James chapter, or excuse me, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Unconfessed sin will stop our worship. Now, here's what's important, okay? We're all going to 1 John 1, and I'm going to wait till you get there. Unconfessed sin is a barrier to worship. Unconfessed sin, listen closely, unconfessed sin is not a barrier to attendance. It's a barrier to worship. And we fool ourselves into believing that if we're attending, we're worshiping, and we're okay, and we're not. unconfessed sin is a barrier to worship. You are alive in Christ if you know Jesus as your Savior. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are alive in Christ. That will never, never, never change. But when we sin, the fellowship between us and God is disrupted. It's interrupted. It's done away with. There's a barrier between us all of a sudden. This thing, this sin. And the Bible says the way you deal with that barrier is to confess your sin. You're still alive in Christ even if you have that barrier between you and the Father. You're still alive in Him. If you die that moment, you go to heaven because you're still alive in Him. But what we're talking about right now is worship. And if I have unconfessed sin, there's a barrier between us. And life isn't very good. And we all know exactly what that's like because we have that issue with relationships sometimes. Marriages are a great example of that. We're still married, but there is a barrier between us. There's an issue going on. In 1 John chapter 1, It says, beginning in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is probably the, the, the one that, I, I, well, I, I shouldn't say it's the big one, but man, is this a problem in Christianity. We just don't confess our sins. We don't deal with our sins properly. We need to deal with our sins. We need to be fresh with God. We need to be close to God. We need to have that relationship with God. And in order to do that, we need to confess our sins. Confession removes that barrier it is an act of faith Lord I I have done this and I agree with you that this was sin this was against you and I I repent from that forgive me cleanse me and God says done let's be close again we've just opened up the doors wide for worship doesn't take much but it needs to happen Many do not enjoy worship nearly like they ought because we're just not confessing our sins like we ought. Take some time to confess your sins. We'll deal a little bit with this next week as we talk about preparing for worship in the right way. Get right with God. If we're going to be involved in this spiritual activity and get the most out of it, we need to be spiritually where we belong, need to be with God confess your sins worship it can be a tough thing but it is a gratifying thing isn't it it's wonderful who stole your worship who's stealing your worship self will worldliness critical spirit laziness impatience and hurry of life formalism unforgiving spirit pride unconfessed sin ask the lord what do i need to do lord What do I need to do so that worship is what you would have it to be? Show me. Convict me. Grow me. So that worship just becomes this exciting, vibrant thing that you've laid out in the Word of God. Father, thank you for the time we've had as we've been studying worship up to today and and these, these barriers, these thieves, these hindrances to worship. Convict us. Don't give us peace until we deal with some of these. That our worship would be overwhelmingly fantastic, not only in this place on these days, but as we worship throughout the week with you. Father, that we would deal with these things so that we might be found unspotted, that we might stand in the righteousness of Christ as we ought. Do this work. For your glory and for the sake of our time of worship, we pray in Jesus' name.